This reading is from Philippians 2, 1 through 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we've been in a series in which we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And the title of the series is Transformed into His Image. This idea that that we need the Spirit of God or what the Spirit of God is wanting to do is to transform us into the likeness of Christ. And we've been looking at Galatians 5, in particular verses 22 through 23, which has historically been named or called the fruit of the Spirit. All of these different little ways or these words of qualities in which the Spirit is wanting to produce. Now today we're going to be talking about kindness. And if I was honest, I'd say that the first thought I had when I knew I was going to be speaking on kindness was kindness. How uninteresting. Because I think on the surface kindness seems very obvious. Yes, we all want to be kind. Yes, that's something that seems to be valued. So why do we actually need to talk about it? I think Paul suggests that it is worth talking about, and it is probably much bigger than we might give it credit for, especially if it requires the Spirit of God to actually be a person and live a life of sustained kindness. And if you think about kindness for a minute, I think it becomes more and more complex than we might give it credit for. I mean, how would you define kindness? How would you explain it? What does kindness look like? And what are the qualities of a kind person? I mean, if you were to think about those questions and try to distill them and kind of bring it into some sort of cohesive or coherent bullet point, it would not necessarily work. Because I think it's much bigger and larger, and I think it requires stories in order to understand what kindness is. But what, in actuality, is kindness? And I'm not sure I'm going to be able to actually give you a definition of what kindness is. But what I'd like to do is look at some of the ways in which I think Jesus might be kind, as well as some of the barriers that might get in the way of our own ability to kind of follow Jesus' example in being kind. But the one thing or question that's intrigued me over the course of studying is what makes kindness surprising? Or why, I guess, is kindness surprising? 
Why is it so, when we, we come in contact with it, or we read a story about it, it kind of catches us off guard? And I think this is true because if you're on Facebook or if you're on the internet for any length of time, all of a sudden you begin to get these stories, these viral stories that are being passed around, often about some sort of moment that's meaningful or touching that people have wanted to share. And usually they start out with like a hook of trying to get you to read it. Something as ridiculous as like, dog looks at owner and you'll never believe what he does next. Or uh, it's just like this, I, this ridiculous things of, of these stories that people want to read in order to feel something. And often these stories involve some sort of kindness. There's this one story I remember um, reading not too long ago that went viral. And it was about this woman who was on a plane. And she was sitting down and she sees this mother alone but with a child walking, trying to carry her bags, trying to hold her child. Her child is, is fussing and is crying. And of course, everyone's worst nightmare when you are on the plane sitting down watching that family is that person is going to sit next to me. Well, that mother and that crying baby actually did end up sitting next to this woman. And so this mother is struggling trying to hold on to this child that is crying, trying to put her bags up above And this woman who's sitting down, for whatever reason, asks if she can take the child. So the mother hands over her child to this woman. This woman actually cares for the child. The mother's able to get her bags up. And she sits down. And the woman who's holding the baby, seeing that the mother is actually stressed out, says, no, it's okay. I can hold her a little bit longer. And so she does. And eventually the child actually falls asleep on the lap of this woman, this stranger. And she stays asleep for almost the the whole duration of the flight. And then someone takes a picture of this woman who's holding this baby and tells the story that's shared over millions and millions of time. Why is that surprising? Why is that so shocking? But kindness actually does have this viral quality to it. If you experience it, if you encounter it, it becomes something that you actually want to share. Or it's something that you want to reproduce. It's that whole idea of paying it forward. Well, another example of kindness being viral, there's this author named George Saunders who's perhaps my favorite short story writer. And he gave this commencement speech in 2013. And in the commencement speech, he just talked about kindness. And then it was shared in the New York Times, and then it was shared over and over and over again. And it became this thing that people wanted to read, because how shocking that someone giving a commencement speech to graduates in the arts and sciences would want to talk about kindness. And now that speech has actually been compiled into a little book called Congratulations, by the way. Some thoughts on kindness. And I'd like to show you a video with some text from that book that was put to some animation. So if you want to turn your attention to the screen. In that video and in this book, George Saunders says, What I regret most in my life are failures of kindness. Those moments when another human being was there in front of me suffering and I responded sensibly, reservedly, mildly. And George Saunders goes on in his book, And he says this. 
So you need to find out what makes you kinder, what opens you up and brings out the most loving, generous, and unafraid version of you. And go after those things as if nothing else matters. Because actually, nothing else does. And I read that, and I thought, well, I actually know what the answer is. I actually know what to run toward. I know, and we know, what opens us up to be a kinder, more unafraid version of ourselves. And I think in Galatians 5, we see that that is the life of Jesus that the Spirit of God is wanting to produce in our lives. That kindness is possible, and a sustained life of kindness is possible because of the Spirit's work in our lives wanting to transform us into the likeness of Christ. So then what does kindness entail? And I'd say that looking at the life of Jesus is probably a good place to start, since that's the life that the Spirit is wanting to produce in us. So the question is, how was Jesus kind? And I think we can make a good argument that he was, in fact, kind, if you read the Gospels at any length. Now, the stories of Jesus and his kindness that most appeal to me or that most move me are, in particular, those, those stories of healing. And there are a few that I'd like to just share and sort of tell that perhaps might stir our imaginations in terms of kindness. Now, the first one is from Matthew 20. It's the story of two blind men. And they're standing outside, or they're sitting actually by the side of the road outside of Jericho. And as the story goes, it says that Jesus walks out. And these men begin to shout, Lord, have mercy on us. And then the crowd who's following Jesus say, shut up. They begin to rebuke them. But then they still cry, Lord... Have mercy on us. And Jesus looks at them and says, What do you want me to do for you? And he says, or they say to him, Restore our sight. And it says that Jesus then laid his hands on them and healed them. And their sight was restored. There's another story in Mark 8 of a blind man again. People bring this blind man to Jesus. And it says that Jesus spit on his eyes. That's what the text reads. And he says, then can you see? And the man says, well, I don't know if it really worked out. Because I can see. I see people, but it's like they're trees walking. And so then Jesus touches his eyes again, and his sight is restored. There's this story in Luke chapter 5 of this man whose body is covered in leprosy, which are like open wounds, skin lesions, and deformities. And it says that this man throws himself before Jesus... And he says, if you will, make me clean. And it said, Jesus, looking at him with pity. 
touched him and says, I will be clean. Jesus touches a man who his society said, you do not belong. You are unclean. You belong out there. A man who was not to be touched. Jesus touches him and says, I will be clean. And the leprosy leaves him and he is made clean. There's this story in Luke 13 when Jesus was teaching in a synagogue. And there's this woman who for 18 years has had a spirit, it says, of disability. And she was hunched over and bent over, having to stand like this for 18 years. And Jesus, it says, saw her, calls her over, lays his hands on her. And says, stand up straight. And she does. And she's healed. Why do I find such kindness in those texts and in those stories? Because Jesus, in the words of George Saunders, did not act sensibly, reservedly, or mildly. What I see in Jesus is this kindness that actually notices people. The text constantly says he saw them, he looked at them. Kindness notices others. Kindness in a world bent on looking down at ourselves and our own hurts and our own struggles and our own goals and our own problems. An act of kindness might be to look up and to see others. Kindness has the ability to open us up to a whole new world. To a whole new world of people that you may have never seen before. And when Jesus saw people, he couldn't help but act with such kindness and grace and mercy. He could not act sensibly, reservedly, or mildly. And what I see in Jesus is this kindness that actually gives people back their humanity. Do you ever wonder why in these healing texts Jesus was always touching people? He certainly and has in the gospel texts just spoken words and people were healed. So why does he have to do things like like lay hands on or even spit on or, or like do things with his body. Well, I think it shows actually that Jesus was wanting to, in his kindness, to restore people's humanity. To remind people that they actually mattered and were worthy of touch. That is, that is so beautiful to me. And now kindness in a world, I'd say our world, that is bent on disintegration and detachment and keeping a safe distance might actually be to reach out to another human being, to see someone as a person, to not keep a safe distance, but to get near and to get close. Kindness 
might actually have the ability to help us see and to help us reach out and recognize that we are people who are connected together. Stanley Hauerwas says this, I think genuine kindness is a great gift that comes through a recognition that I have time in this world to love another in a manner that doesn't try to control them. Kindness is the touch that would otherwise not be there. That last sentence, I can't get out of my head. Kindness is the touch that would otherwise not be there. And if you look at these texts with Jesus, that's true. That Jesus acting in kindness is the touch, is the healing that would otherwise not be there if Jesus wasn't there. See, kindness is looking at other people, looking up and noticing others. Kindness is actually reaching out and not keeping a safe distance. Kindness is actually seeing and noticing the people who you are around all of the time. It's knowing and believing that the people at Steelhead who spills their coffee or the person in line with you at Ralph's or Home Depot or the person that you can't stand that you might be driving next to or the parents and the kids at the park that you're sharing or you're playing with. Kindness is recognizing that all of those people have names and have stories and that they are actually worth getting to know. And that they are human beings. And it's acknowledging their presence. Because perhaps you or me, out of kindness, acknowledging someone's presence might be the first time or the only time that day they recognize that they are a human being who shares the life and participates in the life of the world with others. I mean, that's a remarkable thing. Remarkable power that kindness actually has. Kindness is listening to your friend or to your spouse or to your child and really listening. Kindness is not being okay to keep a safe distance and say, oh, you gave me the surface, that's great. Kindness is actually wanting to know what makes someone tick, hurt, feel joy, or excited. Kindness is getting on the floor with your almost three-year-old son playing some ridiculous game that you know you're going to have to be a fool in order to completely go all in because he's going to want you to do things that you don't want to do. But you do it, and you're on the floor, and you're playing, and for a brief moment you recognize that this child has been created for something far more than just being obedient or respecting me. I mean, kindness is actually looking people in the eyes, reaching out to them, because... We have all been created in God's image. We have all been given dignity. And kindness is noticing that, acknowledging it, and recognize that there's a world far beyond our own world. Kindness is what makes empathy possible. Kindness is what gives us the ability and the opportunity to step into someone else's story and life. I mean, this is a world in which the ability to be empathic has been lost. But kindness might be a first step towards regaining some sort of empathy that might allow us to see the world through someone else's eyes. 
kindness helps us together to give one another what our culture so easily strips away, and that is our humanity. And that is why kindness is so much bigger and remarkable and wonderful and requires the work of the Spirit, because it's actually restorative work. I mean, have you ever thought, I haven't, have we ever thought about the reality that kindness is restorative work? And that's why the Spirit's required to produce Christ's life in us so that we might be kind. So that we might be able to help restore what has been taken away. Life. Humanity. People's dignity. But I imagine that each of us struggle with things that get in the way of kindness, of how to be kind. That there are actual barriers to kindness. And now Alex has said that, these, that, that this list, these fruits of the Spirit that have been given to us, are gifts, but are also choices. And so the question that's been raised for me in, with regard to kindness is, so what keeps me from choosing to be kind? And I just want to name a few. I'm sure there are many, but if, as I look at my own life and as I talk to people around me, I just want to name a few barriers to kindness that I think we're all aware of in some way. The first one is insecurity or shame. I think a very big barrier to kindness is insecurity or shame. Brene Brown calls this the shame-based fear of being ordinary. The shame-based fear of being ordinary. That there is some sense of insecurity in each of us, maybe some sense of low-grade shame that we have, that we, that I, am not enough. And you might be saying that to yourself, I am not enough. Maybe there are things in your life or in your past or in your story that, that actually create this sense of shame that, that help perpetuate that lie. And that's something that gets in the way of our ability to be, to be kind. Because it keeps me, at least... When I get in those moments of thinking, it forces me to keep my head down. I look down at myself and my own life. Instead of being able to look up to see others to whom I might be kind. And now because there's this sense, perhaps, of insecurity and shame that we're all wrestling with, this idea of scarcity... This idea that there isn't enough or I'm not enough, then what that creates is a sense of anxiety or fear. Brene Brown says this one worrying about scarcity is our culture's version of post traumatic stress. It happens when we've been through too much, and rather than coming together to heal, which requires vulnerability, we're angry and scared and at each other's throats. So when we don't feel like we're enough or I don't feel like I'm enough or I don't feel like there is enough, then there is this sense of worrying. There's this sense of fear. And when I'm afraid there's not enough to go around, then God forbid I would actually be able to see other people and give of myself toward them. Because what's most important is my own life my own desires, my own wants, my own needs. And then this anxiety and fear, I would say, creates a third barrier, which is ambition. 
If we fear like there isn't enough and we need to attain it, then all of a sudden we have this ambition to go after it at any cost. And what that means is people become means to ends. When it's all about our own goals, our own desires, when it's all about what we want, then people and their value are based purely on what I can get out of them. I mean, does any of this resonate? Because I'm assuming that all of us would say, I want to be more kind. I couldn't imagine asking everyone here, do you want to be more kind? And someone would say, no, I mean, no. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> Kindness, lame. No, I couldn't imagine anyone saying that. That we all have this sense and desire to be kind. That we all actually desire to be able to be people who look up and to notice others and to reach out. But I think so often we get stuck in our own little worlds. We get closed off to the ability to do those things. Because of this sense that we have that we're not enough, which then produces this sense of anxiety that we need to get, which then produces this sense of ambition, which makes people just simply cogs in a wheel. And I'd say that we have that and we struggle with that because we haven't actually tasted or experienced God's kindness. Which is where it all starts. The fact that God himself is kind to us. Titus, 4, 7, or Titus 3, verses 4 through 6 says this. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. God has been kind to us. God, through Jesus, has shown us that he notices us. Through Jesus, God has shown us that he's reached out and touched our lives with his very life in the person of Jesus. Through Jesus, we see that God has been kind to us and wanting to bring us close. Not just to him, but to one another. We are recipients of God's kindness. But I imagine that it's really hard sometimes, because it is for me, to believe that that is true. To believe that God has been or is kind toward me. It's hard to believe that. Because it's not just something that you can believe in. It's something that you need to experience and you need to encounter. And I'd say that's where the Spirit wants to begin His work. In helping us to feel and to experience and to encounter the kindness of God. I mean, is God one whom you see as kind? Do you believe God is kind? And why and how? Well, it takes the work of the Spirit to actually believe in God's kindness. It takes the work of the Spirit to empower us 
to give us the desire to look up and to notice people. It takes the work of the Spirit in our lives to help us to reach out and to touch someone with kindness. I mean, how many times are we not kind because we're afraid of how we'll appear before others? Because it's a risk to be kind. And I am often not kind because I'm afraid I'm going to look like a fool. I'm afraid that it's going to be completely rejected. There was this time a couple months ago I was at the DMV, which is like a microcosm of the world. DMV. And I went there early because of something that happened. I couldn't do anything online. And I was already bitter. I'm like, this is why I have AAA. Why don't I have to be at the DMV? But I had to go in line. And so I actually got there early, but I was still like 10 people back. And I was sitting there, and, and all of a sudden the line just keeps filling up, right? And it just goes around the building. And I don't know why. I was, I was like literally looking down, reading a book there. And I did just kind of begin to notice all these people around. And I thought how ridiculous and, and dumb and frustrating it is to stand in line at the DMV. So I thought, what would make this better is donuts. And so I had this idea of, I asked the guy next to me, I'm like, hey, can you save my spot? Because I'm going to go get everyone donuts. And he's like, that's whatever. And so, um, so I, called in a, I called in a massive order of donuts. And I drove down the street, and I got all these donuts. And I came, and it took me forever to actually decide to do this. I feel like it took me an hour to, 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 to actually take the risk of buying donuts because I thought this is the most ridiculous thing. This is dumb. People are going to think I'm so so stupid, and and some did. So I went and I got donuts, and and I came back and just and I put them on just on the street and I just yelled because I didn't want to be seen. It really felt like this really weird like, uh, and so I just yelled. I'm like donuts, everyone free. And so I just kind of and I went and I sat down and um, and I was just watching. And the guy next to me is like, dude, I totally thought you were joking. I didn't think you were going to get donuts. <laughs> and I'm like, well, go for it. And so he, he, he's like, really? Are you serious? And he tries to give me money. I'm like, no, I don't. It's okay. I, I just, this makes it better, right, that we're in the DMV together? And so he goes out. He gets a donut. And then all of a sudden people realize they're not poisoned. And, and so they, you know, they slowly go and get donuts. And I'm telling you this story because of, not me, because of one guy who thought this was so exciting that what he had to do was he had to make sure that people realized that there were free donuts and that there were people around the building who wouldn't be able to see that there are donuts. And so he came and he asked me, he's like, dude, would it be cool if I just took a couple boxes and just walked down the line? Because I don't want to see these things go to waste. I want people, and I'm like, totally. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, <laughs> And I realized that this whole kindness thing, like this man was being kind, had experienced kindness, and wanted others to experience it. It wasn't, he wasn't okay for him to just let those be out there so that people can come and kind of partake. No, he wanted it to be like up front and in people's faces so that they realized what there is to actually partake in. And that to me is a remarkable picture of I think the restorative work of kindness, that when we engage in it and we risk in it and we're kind to others, there are people around us who will actually be kind of, I don't know, just takers or carriers of that kindness, and we can become that as well. But that will never happen 
That will never happen if we're not willing to risk in being kind. And that's why it takes the work of the Spirit to produce in us the life of Christ, to move us toward kindness, and a kindness that's courageous. One that isn't sensible or reserved or mild. Because that's the kindness that we see in Jesus. And that's the kindness that the Spirit wants to produce in our lives. So here's what I'd like to do now. Is I'd like to pray for us. But before that, I'd like for you to do something. I'd like you to take out your bulletin, and I'd like you to consider a few things. Because I want to pray that God would stir in us by the power of the Spirit to be people who are kind, to experience and encounter His kindness so that we might be kind to others. But it really does take the work of the Spirit. And so on your notes, I'm going to give you some silence, but I want you to consider a few things that you might need prayer for. Now, the first is, maybe the obvious one, that you want prayer that God might show you and reveal to you afresh or in a really powerful way his kindness toward you. That might be something you want prayer for. Or perhaps what's hit you and struck you is like these things that you know kind of get in the way of your ability to be kind. Maybe it's the things I named in terms of insecurity or shame or anxiety, fear, ambition. If you want, write one of those down that you feel like is a real It blocks you from being able to be kind. So those are the things I'd like you to consider. And I'd like you to to take a moment to listen, to write something down. And then in the moment, I'm going to ask you to hold those up. And I'm going to be praying. I'm going to pray for us and for those things that you named. That God might work in spite of those, through those, to kind of produce in us the, the kindness of Jesus. So take a moment. Consider those things, and then after, after a minute or so, I'm going to ask you to hold those things up and I'll pray. God, I ask that you, through your power, through your spirit, might actually work in us as your people to be people who carry your kindness to others. God, I pray and ask for those of us who need and want and desire for you to express your kindness to, to us afresh. I pray that we would experience your delight in us. I pray that we would experience your reaching out to us. That we would experience your drawing near and drawing close. God, I pray for those of us who really desire to step out and to move out and to risk in kindness, but feel as if there are so many things that get in the way. God, I pray for those of us who are feeling as if we're not enough, For those of us who carry around all of the time this this insecurity or these insecurities, these, these feelings of shame, the inability to actually be kind to ourselves, God, I pray that your voice might speak more loudly than those voices of your delight and your love. For those of us who are afraid and who are anxious and feel as if we are going to be overlooked or are disposable, God, I pray that you would speak a fresh word to us of of love, of care. I just pray that we would be able to be people who are seen and know that we are seen. 
God, I pray for those of us who feel as if we kind of can't get out of these cycles of, of strong desire or ambition or wanting to move towards something so strongly that we overlook others. God, I pray that we would know that our lives are in your hands. I pray that you would help us to let go of this false sense of control that we might have or feel like we need to get, but know that we can trust in you because you love us. Father, I ask that we might be people whose lives are opened up. Who aren't, our lives are not closed off, but are opened up to see others, to notice others, and to not live detached from others. God, I pray that as you work within us and in your spirit, through your spirit, for us to be kind people, that we might be surprising to the world. That we might be in some ways shocking and unintelligible and that you, Jesus, are the only one that makes sense of the lives of kindness that we live. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.